Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch. Means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone Wednesday edition. I am Jason Martin, your host as always. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. 737-1045. Follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. And you can read my stuff, of course, at the Big Six blog, 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. Put up. Titans takeaways from Sunday, which were not particularly positive, and then a uh, Better Call Saul season finale review, which was extremely positive. Today's show is going to be interesting. It's going to be kind of negative. I was going to actually talk about some positive things, but sometimes you just get sidetracked. And I tell you, I don't want to waste your time ever, that that's the mission statement of this show. There is something serious coming up in the final segment of this show, something I want you to at least be aware of that's happening while everyone's talking about UFC and what happened on Saturday night. There's something else that seems to be sliding under the radar that does not need to be sliding under the radar. So stick around for that. Coming up a list of six a little bit later on, but to set the stage for that, let's talk about the red flag for the Tennessee Titans as it stands today. And you know what it is. It's the wide receiver situation, the trust situation for Marcus Mariota to his wide receivers. The question is this. Who is it exactly that's out there that you want if you're a Titans fan? What you really need, let's back up, what you really need is a solid number two wideout. I believe in Corey Davis. It was a little concerning, but I don't think it was his fault that after a 14-target game in the win against Philadelphia, he only had six in the loss to Buffalo. I like Taewon Taylor. I'm a WKU grad. But I think he's more suited to be a versatile number three guy that can work out of the slot and do some other things for you. What you do not have, honestly, is kind of what Rashard Matthews offered you when his head was in it and when he was healthy. You do not have the possession guy you trust. Delaney Walker, that was another guy that you had that you don't now due to injury. But you do not have that guy that consistently gets to the sticks, gets a little beyond the sticks, turns around, makes himself available to his quarterback, and is physical enough to hang on to it, whether it's inside or outside the numbers. What the teams don't really have is the Anquan Bolden type of player. Now, I saw Joe Rex Road of the Tennesseans piece on this problem. And he framed it this way, and I love Joe Rexroad's stuff. He's really good at what he does. He framed it by saying that the Titans need a Muhammad Sanu type. And I think he's dead right about that. 
Sanu, who has caught more touchdowns in Atlanta the past three seasons than Julio Jones, benefits from the added attention that Julio commands. Corey Davis had 161 yards a week ago, then just 49 as Buffalo keyed on, keyed on him more, left him a lot less room in which to work. Davis is going to have to adjust to seeing more coverage, seeing more guys in opposing jerseys, treating him like a pinball back and forth down the field. That is where you have to have the second guy. I like Sharp. I like Taylor. But both those guys, to me, are threes. They're not twos. Now, I've made this analogy before, but I think it fits often. So I use it often. And I ask that question, by the way, off the top. Who's out there that you want as a Titans fan? What do you think about this receiver situation? I know we got Charles in the borough in the line. If you want to comment, 615-737-1045, we will get to you either this segment or to start out the second segment. But I'm going to go back to this analogy. In any business or in any company, the worst thing that you can have or the worst decision you can make is to put a guy unqualified into a job he's unqualified for even though he's totally qualified for a position one step beneath that point. He might not be a CEO, but he's a great VP. Maybe he's a good COO. Maybe he's a good judge of talent. He might not be a head coach, but he's a fantastic coordinator. Look at Wade Phillips. He is the prime example of this. As a head coach, Wade Phillips, in his various stints through the years, is 82-64. and 64. That's not terrible. It's not great. He'll do in a pinch. That's how you might describe him. And if you use that terminology about somebody, it usually means they're in the wrong gig. But if you want a stat that will make you need to use your brakes as opposed to having to do it right now because of traffic or the weather or whatever's happening outside here in the Music City, this stat is unbelievable. Wade Phillips has coached for 10 NFL teams. And since 1989, every team he has joined the Rams, most recently, the 2015 Broncos, the 2011 Texans, the 2007 Cowboys, the 2004 Chargers, the 2002 Falcons, the 95 Bills, and the 89 Broncos have made the playoffs in his first season there. Listen to this. The, the 89 Broncos went from 20th in defense to first in points surrendered per team, 27th to 4th overall in defense. The 95 Bills went from 19th to 10th. The 02 Falcons from 26th to 12th. The 2004 Chargers from 30th to 13th. The 2011 Texans from 31st to 6th. The 2015 Broncos from 16th to 4th in points and 4th to 1st in overall team defense. The Rams actually dropped overall in his first year, but were much better in takeaways and other key categories. Wade Phillips is a pretty okay head coach, but he's also one of the best coordinators in the history of the sport. The reason I use that analogy, think of it this way. Taewon Taylor, Tajay Sharp, they're not head coaches. They're the equivalent of position coaches that could be awfully special in that role. What the Titans need is a coordinator at receiver if you're still with my analogy and my logic here. Who that guy is, I have absolutely no idea. But I'm going to tell you who it's not. It is not Des Bryant. I know some of you want him, and I'm here to tell you, you 
are dead wrong. He's a malcontent. He's a guy that talks about his teammates. Can you even imagine Corey Davis catching a big ball that Dez wanted to catch? Can you imagine if Marcus overthrows that guy or any number of other things that happen on a regular basis in football? That's just the external stuff. He's a player on the decline who believes he's the best receiver in football who is not the best receiver in football. Bringing him in, getting him up to speed with LaFleur's offense and all of the new things he would have to know ain't going to work. It wouldn't be bad. It would actually be worse than bad. It would be a Hindenburg-level disaster to bring Des Bryant into this locker room. And you're not bringing... Which Des Bryant do you want? The one from 2014 with the Cowboys? The one that was coming you know, out of college, out of Oklahoma State, and everybody loved him? Because that's not the guy that you would be getting right now. If that guy existed, he would be on an NFL roster right now. And he's already turned down multiple deals with other teams for multiple years because he's still waiting for this figment of a unicorn imagination that's not out there for a player of his ilk today. You're not getting primed as Bryant. He's on the decline. Now back to Joe Rexrow's piece for a minute. He suggested maybe you do it via a trade. Maybe that's how it happens. Some of the names he threw out there, it would require giving up something fairly significant. It would include maybe trying to lure Amari Cooper away from the dumpster fire in Oakland, maybe getting Sterling Shepard out of the double dumpster fire of the Giants. I had thought about Cooper. I hadn't even thought of Sterling Shepard. Maybe there's somebody that John Robinson can snag before this deadline. I honestly don't know. It's a big problem. The wide receiver and tight end situation is flat out bad right now. And in a wide open AFC, and don't overlook this point, in a wide open AFC, who do you like really in the AFC? You kind of like the Patriots because they're the Patriots. You kind of like the Chiefs even though they have one of the worst defenses in the NFL because of what they can do on offense. And because of the way the rules are set, if you're good on offense, you're generally speaking going to be where you need to be at the end of the year, even against a great defense. We saw that on Sunday with the Jags and the Chiefs. But who do you really trust outside that? It's a bunch of these teams in the middle. There's some that you absolutely hate. And then there's these ones that are like, you know, maybe if they put it together, they could get to the playoffs and do some serious damage. Maybe. But I'm not going to put any money on them. Two of them are playing here in Nashville on Sunday. The Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. And they're by no means the only ones. It's the same story in the NFC. You like the Rams, and then it gets a little murky. So in this AFC, you don't really want to wait until the offseason to try and draft another wide receiver or to pick up somebody really worth it in free agency. You don't want to do it because you know you could win right now if you had one more reliable target. If you had Delaney Walker still on this roster, we might not be having this conversation at all, but you don't. Johnny Smith working hard. I saw PK's video at Paul Kaharski NFL. If you want to follow Paul, paulkaharski.com. Tweeted out that video of Johnny Smith out there with a coach throwing the football to him. Nobody else left on the field. He's trying. He knows he needs to be better. Nick Williams, out of town. Darius Jennings, we saw that last week. There are going to be drops in the NFL. You can't win with that kind of stuff. You still don't have the number two wide receiver on this team. I think you got a one, and I think you got a couple of threes, but you need a two. 
So who's out there right now? I went to 24-7 Sports and looked at it. Here's their top 10 in order. Des Bryant is number one because he's Des Bryant. Then there's Corey Coleman, Jeremy Macklin. They thought he was going to do something in Kansas City, and he did not. Then two former Titans, Kendall Wright and Kenny Britt. Then Rashad Green, who was released by the Jags four days ago. Rashad Perryman was signed by the Redskins on the 17th, released five days later. His big problem, historically, he drops a lot of passes. Malcolm Mitchell, Jeremy Curley, and former Steeler Marcus Wheaton. Those are the top 10 guys out there. Which one of the names that I just mentioned is the one that fulfills the promise for the Titans, a wide receiver, and ends this, makes this not a red flag anymore? That is the question that I ask you. What do you do if you're the Tennessee Titans today, knowing that your receivers either have to step up and play at a role that maybe they're not equipped to play at, or you're one piece away, and unfortunately it's a really key piece of what's going on. 615-737-1045. That's the Titans' red flags. What is the list of six tonight? The list of six are NFL red flags. Six things that I've seen around the NFL this season that would mightily concern me if I was a fan of those respective teams. That is next, plus your phone calls. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. Follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. The red flag for the Tennessee Titans, it's the wide receiver. It's targets for Marcus Marcus Mariota. It's people he can trust that aren't going to drop the football, are going to find their way open. And it seems that there is a definite lack at the number two wide receiver spot. There are guys on this team that I like that I think are wide receiver threes. I'm going to make one more point about Des Bryant, but I'm going to go ahead and take T-Dog in Nashville up first. Again, 615-737-1045. If you want to chat about this with me, we will do the list of six, the NFL red flags, depending, I guess, on how many phone calls we get tonight. We'll see uh, how far we get into that list. But T-Dog in Nashville, I think, disagrees with me. T-Dog, what's up? What's up, Jamar? This is my first time calling, man. Uh, but liking the show so far from what I'm hearing, man, except for the fact that I think you're a little delirious, man, uh, when, you, when you come to say that Des Bryant couldn't be the answer, bro, because who else is out there? You listed 10 receivers that you would not have anything to do with. But number one, you got to – they don't need to be babysat in that room. They, they're talking about winning NFL games. And you're trying to tell me that Des Bryant would not require people to stick him? That's, that's my one thing. Another thing is and we're not talking about this offense that supposedly this guru on the floor is supposed to be putting down. Where, what's happening to the RPOs that we talked about? It just does not look like it's a scary offense. Uh, we've got to look at the whole thing, man. Is Marcus pulling this thing off the right way? Because – you don't just fire a receiver because they drop a pass. I understand that could have won the game potentially, but we just oh, in Tennessee. I'm a I'm not a Tennessee Titan fan. Uh, I mean, I am a fan, but I'm, that's not my number one team. I'm a different uh, team altogether. But what I'm seeing is we always oh, we just overreact to everything. And to say that you know receiver drops a pass and now he's fired, man. A good thing Mike Rabo didn't get fired for losing the first game. So you're thinking Nick Williams shouldn't have been let go? Is that what you're saying? No, man. Come on, man. I mean, he did two things wrong on Sunday, if you go back and look. It was much more on him than it was Marcus, the interception. 
no, dropped no, what sure. likely was the game winner against the Bills. He was undersized yeah. and was really just trying to stay in the league. He had a pretty good preseason. He had a decent return in the special teams game on Sunday. But I don't think that Nick Williams just – he didn't make himself – to the spot where he needed a roster spot anymore. I just, there was not enough that. there. That's why there's not the enough positives though, there. I got one more thing. The thing, though, about that is at least he was able to get open to be in that position to do that. A lot of receivers can't even break free to get open. I felt like he had the opportunity to get free, get open. You got to work with people, man. There's potential. You got to look at the potential of people. You can't just say, oh, you know what? You're not ready now. Peace out. You know, you've got to look at the potential because you will never be a great team until you can go through the hard times together. Once you start going through the hard times together, that's going to make you a better team. I guarantee you next week he wouldn't have dropped that pass. You could be right. And I appreciate the phone call, T Dog. And I mean, I think that you made your arguments pretty effectively. And that's what we want here. You don't have to agree with me. Just make the arguments effectively. By the way, 2017 drops list. I'm going to say two things here. One that's negative about Dez, and then one that you could also say is somewhat positive. Dez Bryant in 2017 dropped 10 balls. That's tied for number one in the NFL. What's the problem right now for the Tennessee Titans over the past few weeks are the things that are being magnified, at least in some of these performances. It is the drops. Marquise Lee was also tied at 10. Now I'm going to make a point in favor of Des Bryant if you want to go there. Some of the other guys in the top 10, Marquise Goodwin, Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks, Julio Jones, all of them had six or more drops last year. They were all top 10. Uh, I guess Allen Cooper, Amari Cooper, Brandon Cooks, Julio Jones, those four guys are tied uh, at 7th. So that goes 7, 8, 9, 10 with six drops. So... How many of those guys would you want on your team? A lot of them. So drops are not the be-all, end-all of the situation, provided that you're a pretty stud-wide receiver. And I think that's the problem if you want to make the Nick Williams argument, is that Nick Williams did not actually fit that classification. Hardy is on his cell phone. He's up next tonight on the Big Six. Hardy, what say you? Uh, hey, what's up? Hey, man. Yeah, I was, if we could somehow get Amari Cooper away from Oakland, that's exactly who I would want. And if that didn't work out, I would go after Macklin. And if Macklin didn't work out, I'll take Kendall Wright again. But there's no way I would want Des Bryant on this team. I would rather have a 70-year-old Jerry Rice come out of retirement than Des Bryant. I think some people would agree with you and some people would disagree as we had T-Dog there. I looked through Des Bryant's Twitter feed. Uh, during the commercial break, and he comments on a lot of games, and he talks about there's stats out there that talk about how he couldn't get himself open last year. And basically, he turned around and blamed it on the quarterback. He blamed it on the coordinator. He blamed it on everybody. That's what Des Bryant does. Des Bryant loves himself some Des Bryant. He learned from the best down in Dallas. Now, has he made a lot of plays? Yeah, he's made a lot of plays. He's got a lot of talent. But... A lot of that talent is on the decline. And if you look at the stats, whether it's the drops or whether or not how much freedom he has on the field away from opposing DBs, a lot of it is going in the wrong direction. And I don't know if you want a malcontent in this locker room. You just don't. Jeremiah in Portland up next. Jeremiah, how are you? I'm doing all right. What you got? Um, if I was them, I'd pick Marcus Wheaton. You know, Marcus Wheaton has been a good, reliable target over many, many years for Ben Roethlisberger. 
And, uh, you know, I think he'd be a good pick for Tennessee. All right. Well, he was released by the Eagles on September the 12th, Jeremiah. His best season was three years ago. He had five touchdowns and 749 receiving yards for the Steelers. So right. he's been in the league for a little while. 749 was three seasons ago. He's done nothing close to that since. So right. I'm, just, I'm well, just pointing that out. I mean, it's it's not the deepest crop. I didn't name 10 guys that you wouldn't want. I named the top 10 guys according to 24-7 sports that are out there right now, right now for the Tennessee Titans to look at. So you still think Wheaton could be the guy? Yes, and and the only reason why I say that is because, you know, I've seen what Marcus Wheaton can do. You know, I'm a... I'm not a Tennessee fan. I'm a Steelers fan. Been a Steelers fan all my life. Okay. And I've seen what Marcus Wheaton can do. I've seen how fast the guy is. I've seen how he can get open. I've seen the catches he can make. Okay. All right. So that's one vote for Marcus Wheaton, one for Des Bryant, and one for a 70 year old Jerry Rice instead of Des Bryant. 615 737 1045. If you want to join us as we're talking about this receiving red flag for the Tennessee Titans, let's do the list of six, or maybe we can do one of them and we'll do the other five on the other side. NFL red flags right now, as you heard Joe Dirt say, new coaches needed in Texas. To me, it's both guys it's Bill O'Brien and it's Jason Garrett. The latter has been in Dallas for, I think, eight years, one playoff win, overall record 70 and 58. He is still there basically because Jerry Jones gets along with him. And the fact that what I just said is a fact is the problem with the Dallas Cowboys. Jason Garrett, just a guy. Not special at the job. And listen to these offensive numbers from the past 13 Dallas games. Since the Atlanta game in Week 10 last year, points scored, 211, 31st in the NFL, 30th in pass attempts, 29th in yards per attempt, 27th in passer rating. That is putrid, like put it in double garbage bags, throw it out of the house because you don't want anybody else to have to walk to that dumpster and smell it. That's how bad that is. Now on the other side, the Texans, and this, of course, was Sunday night football this week. Kevin Clark of the Ringer, I think, said on Monday after the Texans won over the Cowboys in overtime that if he were Deshaun Watson, he would go to the front office of the Texans, close the door, and tell them, look, I am out of here the second I'm able to get out of here if you don't get rid of this guy. He's been a bad play caller. He's made insane decisions, and he's going to get me killed with how he's using me and how he's not protecting me. Deshaun is taking a ton of hits right now, and some of that is on Bill O'Brien. Both he and Jason Garrett, I think, absolutely need to bounce. Patience has worn thin for each. So there's trouble with those two franchises in Texas right now. That's one red flag. I've got five more, plus I've got Guy in Nashville. We're going to go to break now. We'll come back. We will finish off the list of six, and we will get Guy's call before we get serious for the final segment of this show. I don't want you to miss the last segment of the Big Six tonight. We will be right back here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back here on a... Rainy, traffic-filled Wednesday evening here at the Music City. It's the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. If you want to talk to me, you can do it via that way, or you can call me, 615-737-1045. Been talking about the Titans' wide receiver situation and trying to get to these NFL red flags. Hey, if we don't get through the list of six, then we will uh, we'll put a pin in it and do it on Friday's show because I do want to talk about something fairly serious 
in the final segment here tonight. Let's go to Guy in Nashville first. Guy, what's up? Hey, man. What you got? Uh, so, I don't think – I think people don't understand. There's not a quick fix at this point in the season that's somebody that's going to come in and be a game changer um, because there's nobody out there. It's, the, it's not even halfway through the season yet. Um, so, unless John Robinson's willing to give up some pretty high draft picks – to get somebody, I don't. I don't think there's anybody out there that's going to solve our problems. It's going to have to wait till free agency. Um, maybe Amari Cooper would be a good fit because obviously Gruden is willing to yeah. trade. You know, he's <laughs> he's not scared to trade somebody for draft picks. Yeah, um, no, yeah, I don't no, think, you're right. I don't think Des Bryant's the solution at all. Uh, I don't have any doubt that he could probably get back in game shape, but. It's it's not the answer. He's he's would totally disrupt this locker room. Uh, they got a good thing going in there right now, and I just don't think he would he would fit with what they're doing. Um, I mean, I'm sure it, the other thing about Des is I know you're talking about uh, his drops last season. I haven't I didn't watch any Cowboys games last season, but how many of those drops were Dak throwing into double coverage or? Uh, like heavily contested passes. I don't know if that makes much of a difference, but uh, I'm sure he was well covered in most of their games. Yeah, you know, there, there's there's other metrics that you can look at when it goes to surrounding drops. I think this was more just an overall metric. I think your larger point is right. I don't think the quick fix is out there. Do you realize how many NFL teams out there don't have weapons at wide receiver? I mean, we looked at one of them across the field from the Titans on Sunday with a rookie quarterback and no one to throw the football to. If there were guys that were out there that you could just pick up that were going to be studs for you or solid players, you don't think they would be available in a pass-happy NFL where the league is designed for quarterback statistics. Eric in Richmond up next. Eric, what's up? Uh, hey, this is Eric in Richmond. I love the show. Long-time Oilers Titans fan. Just curious, is there a reason that maybe we just don't pick up another cornerback and Put Odori out there for 20, 25% of the offensive plays. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Uh, is there a reason for it? I mean, there are people that have suggested that before. I think Bleacher Report, uh, Brent Sobleski maybe, uh, made a point of it. I actually just brought that up. He wrote, I guess during the offseason, right now the Titans need a playmaker on offense far more than defense. Jackson could create just as much of an impact at wide receiver. Corey Davis is the only receiver on the roster with the potential to create chunk plays. Jackson is dynamic with the ball in his hands. It can line up out wide in the slot or even in the backfield. That's from uh, from Brent's piece at uh, Bleacher Report. I would suggest Adoree is actually coming into his own as a cornerback, and cornerbacks are a huge premium position in the NFL as well. I don't know that you just want to stop him from becoming a pretty good player on that side of the football to then move him into a spot he's not as conditioned to play. I also think his body type and his susceptibility to injury that we've seen, I don't know that he would hold up in that position either. I just I I think it's a really out of the box thought. And again, there are people that have made it. I just think that there are too many potential negatives and you've already got a guy that's really grown in his second year as a defensive player, I don't know why you would want to stunt that growth for any reason. Dan on a cell phone next. Dan, what's up? Hey, Denver Dan here. How you doing? Hey, doing well, Denver Dan. 
Well, this is a little outside, but I just wonder about Eric Decker. You know, he was in football shape all summer, and then he just retired. If he's still in any kind of shape, he'd be a great locker room guy, and he's good at getting open. Okay. Um, he would be a great locker room guy. He was he was good during his time here. He was good in Denver. He was good with the Jets. You know, wherever he's been through the years, you didn't hear anything about him doing anything wrong from that perspective. I mean, he was with the Patriots, and then he wasn't with the Patriots. He had signed a one-year deal, and then, you know, he tweeted out it was time to move on to other things. I don't know if that's just because he's done with football or football's done with him. But he didn't make a whole lot of plays over the last few years either. I don't know if there's a necessary high risk there. I also had somebody tweet me at Zone and suggest my uh, broadcast partner, co-host on Monday Night Titans, Mark Mariani, would be somebody that you could look at. And I know that 3HL talked about that last week. And sign the shine, I think, was, was Mickey's hashtag that he threw out there. I don't know. You know, I, I have no idea. Like, Mark didn't even know. Like, when he was asked about it, he's like, I don't even know what I'd do if they called me at this point. I mean, he's still in pretty good shape. Is he in game shape? I don't know. But, I mean, he's not in game shape because he hasn't played. Anybody would have to at least get back up to it because you're not going to be ready to play unless you're really ready to come out of retirement or come back into the NFL. And I think that Eric Decker is probably not going to be ready for that either way. Again, I think that the point that the caller made a few minutes ago was right. There is no quick fix here. Maybe you should have gotten a receiver in this past draft. Certainly, you're gonna. That's gonna be the number one thing that you're gonna look at when it comes to this coming NFL draft. And you're gonna look at free agency. And you're gonna explore trying to acquire one of these guys that you probably aren't gonna be able to get now without giving up the farm. Bo and Brentwood next. Bo, what's up? Hey, I just wonder why not? I mean, as I understand it, Nick Williams is kind of our number five guy, kind of a returner. Why don't we just bring someone from the practice squad up, have him as like a uh, emergency fifth receiver, and just try and go with our four and put a Dory on a uh, return? Nick Williams, you mean Sunday's Nick Williams? Right. Okay. Um, okay. All right. That's that would be another suggestion, I guess. That one. Uh, that one kind of boggles me a little bit. I mean, I I don't know anything about that. All the, the only thing that I know is. You need a wide receiver number two. I don't think you want to take a pretty good cornerback that's growing into a solid football player on defense that many believed was going to be a project when you drafted him out of USC. Take him away from what you've had him doing over the last season and a half and then throw him into wide receiver in a situation where maybe he can't succeed, maybe he gets hurt. I don't know. Do I think that Adoree Jackson maybe could play out of the slot and do some things for you? Sure. I mean, he's a, he's a great athlete. He's a great young man, and he's a very versatile and skilled player. We knew that just in terms of what he was able to do in special teams in addition to everything else he was asked to do at USC. I just don't think this is necessarily the job that I would put out there for him. All right, like I said, I had a, best, uh, I had a list of six tonight about red flags going on in the NFL, and I'm going to save it. And we'll do it on Friday's show. It'll still be relevant on Friday. There will only be two teams that will have played. Yes, there are some red flags on those two teams that are playing tomorrow night. But we've gotten so many phone calls here tonight, and I thought this might happen, that we're always going to talk to you if you want to talk to me. 
615-737-1045. I think we've got one more call coming in right now, so we'll take a break and we'll get to that call. And then, like I said, something serious that I want you to stick around for and pay attention to coming up after the break. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment tonight, Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. If you called in, thanks for chiming in. If you're tweeting me, similarly, I'm at jmartzone. I'm Jason Martin, host of this fine program as always, 615-737-1045 to join us here on the show. Told you this was going to be a fairly serious segment, something I just don't think people are paying enough attention to right now because we just haven't seen enough written about it. I'm going to change that at the Big Six blog. Also, we have listeners here on the station, many of them, and I have some that uh, listen to me and have listened to me for years that have tweeted me from the state of Florida over the past you know, many months and years. Just want you guys to know that our thoughts are with you. Uh, Hurricane Michael is worse than people expected. And if you can help the relief efforts, certainly do so. But our thoughts and prayers. And some people, you know, some people talk about how thoughts and prayers don't mean anything. And they try to undercut that. And I go the opposite direction and say there's nothing better that I can offer than a communication with the most important person in my life on your behalf. And so anyone in Florida out there listening tonight, you have my support, you have my thoughts, you have my prayers. We are hoping the best for you, and hopefully you and yours are safe wherever you are. So what happened Saturday night in the UFC between Khabib and Conor McGregor? This is a true statement, a fact led to more Google search numbers than Brett Kavanaugh and the U.S. Supreme Court did over the weekend. That is nuts. And UFC needs it because they lack real star power right now, something fierce. Once Ronda Rousey left, it was Connor, who is at best a clown show at this point. Not that he can't fight. We know he can fight. But he's lost a few fights, and it's more about his histrionics than it is anything else. And he's become wildly popular and wildly famous because of that. Shameless self-promotion. That's what combat sports largely have been built on through the years, whether it's boxing or certainly MMA now. But he breaks every rule. He breaks every regulation fighters are supposed to follow. He shows up late to the press conferences. He's late to the weigh-in. Some competitors are ready to walk out. They have to go back and cut weight or prepare. They don't know why he's allowed to get away with this stuff. Folks, Conor McGregor does what he wants because Dana White and UFC enabled it. He knows how much they need him. So rather than be a professional, he's going to play rebel. He's kind of a jerk. He's also a self-promoter. I know some of it's an act. I also think he's a little bit off, a little bit off center. Whether you thought there was a dog whistle involved in some of the comments he made during the run-up to the Mayweather fight or not is irrelevant here, although I think it's hard to deny some of those problems. But this dude took a dolly and he threw it into Khabib's bus. He cut one fighter who had to be pulled from a card the day before his fight. He injured others. He caused a lot of damage. And what he got for that was basically a slap on the wrist from UFC. This is a man that has pending lawsuits against him. But Dana White needed him on that card against that guy. The guy the incident was about. The footage was used as part of the fight promotion. And no doubt, once they can get it done, Connor versus Khabib somehow will happen again. He'll get that visa, will Khabib, to come back in. 
and we'll see all the disgraceful stuff that took place on Saturday night. You reap what you sow. UFC has decided it needs the money and it needs the exposure. So we're going to let one guy in particular get away with basically anything. And in the process, we're going to tell any other competitors out there that you could own us. There is no sense of actual punitive justice, no sense of legit punishment here. This is an emperor has no clothes situation. You can ban Ariel Hawani. You can ban MMAfighting.com photographers because they release news on Brock Lesnar's return that you wanted to break yourself. But you're going to allow your billion-dollar enterprise to become basically a circus. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know here. And yet UFC is not as egregious as World Wrestling Entertainment. And I am flat-out stunned that this has not gotten more coverage. A few weeks back on Sunday show that I am just blessed enough to host with two of my best friends in the world, Brandon Hagney and David Reed, who you know well on this station, we said on Squared Circle Radio we would not be watching, we would not be covering, we would not be discussing the upcoming major WWE show in Saudi Arabia called Crown Jewel. It's going to take place on November the 2nd. It is a huge show. It features gigantic names, one of which is coming out of retirement for the payday, breaking his word in the process. But the Saudi government, they want the nostalgia acts from the boom period of the late 1990s. So why are we boycotting this show? Simple. WWE has chosen a reported 40 to 50 or maybe more million dollar check for this show. And in the process, they've looked the other way at the basic human rights abuses going on in that country. Not only are they not avoiding the show, this is not just a WWE show. They were there seven months ago for something called the Greatest Royal Rumble back in April. That was a legitimate propaganda piece for the current regime in Saudi Arabia that restricts the rights of many groups one of which happens to be women, of which the last time I checked, WWE employs and makes money off of many of them. None were allowed to be a part of this show. None. Zero. A commercial advertisement aired during that show, and it featured women in it, and the company had to apologize to the country for women being shown in that video. And worse than that, just this past week, and this story is everywhere right now. If you turn on the news, you will see this. Just this past week, a Washington Post report came out that a veteran Saudi journalist that had contributed editorial content to the Washington Post over the last few years, he had said a few things mildly critical of the Saudi prince. He was a critic of the regime. He disappeared inside that country. His name is Jamal, I believe it's Khashoggi. He vanished from the Turkish consulate. The government says they're worried. They have no idea what happened. Turkish officials inside the consulate have come out and say he was killed. And over the last few hours tonight, we have seen that it appears to have been a Saudi murder squad that was sent in to kill this guy. 
30 people were arrested late last year in the days prior to the elections in Saudi Arabia. Their crime was they had an opinion unflattering to the regime. The descriptor I read about this was that they were mildly critical at worst. It included some clerics, some social media personalities, and a lot of journos. It's corruption. It's media control. It's discrimination. It's violence. It's human rights concerns. I could literally list for hours about Saudi Arabia. And WWE is still going there on November 2nd, including the new mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, Glenn Jacobs, who won that election and is going over there to perform because, again, he's one of those nostalgia acts. And for many years, he has played the brother of The Undertaker, another nostalgia act that's going to be a part of that show. What UFC is doing is bad in terms of optics. It shows the company has no real power over its stars. It's told those stars as much with feckless inaction. Their business, to me, looks like it's wasting away a little bit. It's in a dangerous place. If Connor leaves, what exactly do they have left? What WWE is doing is stomach-turning. I know this is not a pro wrestling show, but this is an entertainment show. And it's a show about entertainment because what is sports if not an escape? What is WWE if not an escape? Women make them money. Women perform every week. They can't even travel there and be there for the shows. One of their main broadcasters on television, Renee Young, is a female. There's no word yet on whether or not she can be a part of the show. These abuses are way beyond the pale. And the story that's on the news right now is repugnant. Ask yourself... If you already had a ton of money and your stock was through the roof, something I think won't be the case three years from today for WWE, but certainly is right now, would you take this paycheck considering what is going on? I say no. I hope I would have the strength to withstand it. Money is the root of all evil. It's money over morality that led UFC to let Connor do what he's doing. But that is nothing, in my opinion, compared to what WWE is doing right now in bed with Saudi Arabia and that regime just based on the news. I'm disgusted by this, and I'm shocked it has not gotten more attention. Told you it was going to be serious. Enjoy Vol Calls. It's next here on 104.5 The Zone.